Today on the show, it's all about understanding and managing compassion fatigue for the sighted supporter. This is Life After Sight Loss Radio. Welcome to episode number 48 of the podcast, helping you discover life after sight loss. My name is Derek Daniel. I am your host and resident VIP, aka visually impaired person. If you're new to the program, welcome aboard. This is the place where we do product reviews, life advice, encouragement, how-tos, and so much more, all with the express purpose of helping individuals and families who are going through or facing physical sight loss. Hey there, guys. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the podcast. And it is a special episode where we're dedicating the entire episode to talking about this topic of compassion fatigue. We're going to talk about what compassion fatigue is, what it looks like, and how to manage it. Because so many times, sighted supporters face something like compassion fatigue, and they're unsure how to deal with it. So we're going to talk about it and dedicate this entire episode to it. So if you or somebody you know you think is going going through something like this, make sure you tune in, you turn it up, and you get ready for it. And if you've got somebody in your life who is a sighted supporter, make sure that you share this episode with them. Before we jump into everything, as always, you can find today's show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 048. Today's show notes are especially important because it includes links to the things I'm talking about. It includes all the you know points I'm going to make. It includes lists of things. So you definitely want to check that out again. You can find the show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com dot com slash zero four eight. Right, so we're discussing compassion fatigue. Now, maybe you've heard this phrase before, maybe you haven't, but compassion fatigue, we're going to start off just kind of defining what it is, because so many times we hear phrases like compassion fatigue, and it sounds very like this fancy medical phrase, and we're like, what does that even mean? Well, basically, it's this idea of when somebody who works with people who've gone through traumatic situations, maybe it's somebody like a nurse who works with people going through cancer or something like that. Maybe somebody who is an EMT and they're working with people in traumatic situations. Maybe it's somebody who takes care of somebody in their own home, you know, a family member who, um, somebody who's gone through a tragic accident, maybe it's not causing death, but it's causing a lot of problems and they got to take care of them. It could also be related to military and things of that nature. It's, It's a broad spectrum here. But compassion fatigue is something that affects you emotionally, mentally, it affects you, I mean, physically, it can cause a lot of different things in your life, and we're going to talk about you know some of the symptoms, the way it looks, but basically it is just this idea that when you are giving of yourself to whether it's um, you know a family member, a friend, um, whether you work outside the home in this kind of situation, when you're giving of yourself to help someone through a traumatic experience, you can experience compassion fatigue. And fatigue, basically that idea of being tired, being worn out, you know, that sort of thing, uh, and compassion obviously 
obviously, you know, just caring, giving of yourself. And so we put that together and we get compassion fatigue. So we basically define it like that. It doesn't have one specific definition, but as we go through, kind of keep that in mind, uh, you know, as we talk about the different symptoms and ways to manage it. And as we go through things, please bear in mind that all of this information comes from the American Institute of Stress. You can find that at stress.org or as always, there is a link in the show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 048. And a little disclaimer as we continue on with things, remember that I am not a medical professional. So if you're in need of help, whether it's compassion fatigue or depression or sorrow or grief or whatever else, please seek out a specialist in your area so that you can find the help that you need. The podcast here is just sort of a primer for these things, introducing topics, discussing them a little more in detail, but make sure that you seek out the professional help that you need in your area so that you can move forward in the things that you're going through. All right, so let's talk about some of the symptoms or what compassion fatigue might look like in your life. Because I think we assume like, oh, it's got to look like this, but there's lots of different ways that it can appear or that it can look like. So let's just go through a few of these. Now, there's an entire list at the show notes at lifeaftersightlust.com slash 048. So you can see the whole list. I'm not going to go through every single one of them, but I just want to hit some of the highlights so that you can kind of get an idea of what compassion fatigue might look like in a sighted supporter's life. The first thing, it can affect your nervous system, and this really can affect your sleep and how your sleep patterns are affected. Maybe you have, uh, you know, you want to get to sleep at a certain hour, you want to wake up a certain hour, and compassion fatigue, fatigue of any sort, especially in this regard, can affect that sleep pattern. Uh, Maybe you can't go to sleep. Maybe you can't stay asleep. You're waking up every hour. It can affect it in a few different ways, but it can definitely affect your sleep patterns. Another thing is uh, your emotional intensity can increase. Now, this could be something like maybe you're on edge a lot of times. Maybe you feel like you could snap at any moment. Maybe you feel like you could cry at the drop of a hat. The intensity of your emotions starts to be affected. It can be increased. You know, if you're sad, you're really sad. If you're, um, you know, depressed, you're really depressed. If you're angry, you're really angry. I think you get the point. It's, but your emotions can have that extra intensity and you can feel like you're on edge a lot of times. Another thing to point out is your cognitive ability can decrease. You know, just your thinking. You can maybe equate it to this idea of being foggy. I'm just a bit foggy. I'm not sure how to, you know, deal with this foggy. I'm thinking a certain way, but it's, it's not clear, or I'm trying to sit in a meeting and I can't focus on anything. Your cognitive ability can definitely be affected when you have compassion fatigue, especially when you're trying to think, uh, you know, how am I going to help this person and uh, what do I need to do next? And is there medication coming up or do I need to do this for them? A lot of times that can occupy the space in your brain and the cognitive ability can go down just a bit. Another big thing that you might find is loss of like self-worth and emotional modulation. So what this might mean is in those moments where it's like something you've always found exciting and you've really enjoyed, you just don't find yourself enjoying that anymore. And maybe, you know, maybe that's related to depression, of course, but it can also be this idea of like, I'm really good at this and now it's like, oh, I just, I'm not so good at it anymore. I I just don't find myself enjoying it like I used to. And again, that doesn't mean that you think you are, you know, a piece of junk or whatever. It just means that you're looking at things in such a different way. Again, that cognitive ability has gone down, your emotions are up and down, and it can really affect that level of self-worth that you have based on what's happening around you. And finally, and of course there are others in the show notes you can look at, but finally, just this idea of loss of hope. 
you know, loss of hope and meaning. It creates this despair in your life because you feel like, oh my gosh, this is so bad. It's never going to get any better. And then you start placing that loss of hope in other situations, whether it's relationships or your work or your family or, you know, just anything. This loss of hope can create despair in your life. So compassion fatigue can look like a lot of different things, but basically it is this level of like being physically tired, being mentally tired, being emotionally drained. And then that can create that loss of hope, that depression, that cognitive, um, you know, decrease in ability, just lots of different things can come out. And, and you have to remember that compassion fatigue doesn't happen overnight. You know, it happens a little more rapidly than let's say actual burnout where you, you know, you just walk away from something, but it happens usually in, in, in a process. There's a quote that I have over in the show notes that you can check out, but this doctor mentions how it's a process. It's, it's more of a journey, you know, it takes weeks, maybe months to experience some of these things. It's not, you're not going to wake up and feel like, oh, I hate the whole world, but slowly but surely it's like chipping away at sort of who you are at your core identity level kind of stuff. So if you're experiencing some of those things, then as we go through this podcast and ways to manage it, you definitely want to pay attention. And as I said, you want to find you know a professional to help you walk through some of those things if you feel like you're experiencing symptoms of compassion fatigue. All right, now that we've talked about it, we've kind of defined it a little bit, said what some symptoms are, I want to give you some tips on managing compassion fatigue, just some do's and don'ts. And again, all of this comes from the American Institute on Stress, link in the show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 048. So I want to give you a few do's and then a few don'ts in managing your compassion fatigue. First up, and this is one we've talked about a bunch, you want to find someone to talk to. Now, depending on the level of compassion fatigue, you're experiencing, where you're at, your, your your mental capacity, you might want to just find a really good friend, maybe a mentor in your life, or maybe you need to talk to somebody that is a professional counselor, therapist, something of that nature. But you want to find someone to talk to so that you can express what's going on in your own life because all too often, and we've talked about this before with sighted supporters, we focus on the person that's losing their sight and not the people in their lives, and they are going through as many changes as well. So you want to find someone to talk to. Next up, you want to understand that the pain you feel is normal. This is very normal. It's a normal reaction to the stress you're experiencing. It's a normal reaction to the changes in your life. It's a normal reaction to everything you're going through. So you need to understand that and just accept that, that you know what, this is normal. I'm not some weirdo who's going through something that they shouldn't. Just understand and accept the fact that what you're facing is very normal. Next up is sort of keeping yourself generally healthy, eating right, exercising getting enough sleep, you know, that sort of thing. Because all too often, compassion fatigue or any fatigue can take an effect on your diet. It can take an effect on how you uh, burn calories. It can take an effect on your sleep. Again, I'm not a medical professional. You want to seek out those answers. But we all know that things that happen in our life that cause us stress can affect our physical, mental, emotional you know, stability. So keeping yourself healthy will help you fight off that fatigue and be prepared when it's time to do so. And finally, and of course, there are other uh, do's at the show notes, but you want to develop interests outside this compassion that you're providing, outside of this care, outside of this supportive role that you've now taken. And maybe that means you go out with friends. Maybe that means you take up a hobby. Maybe that means you read a book. Whatever it is, you want to develop interests outside of this because sometimes it can seem like your whole world is surrounded by taking care of someone, especially if you're a spouse with a you know a spouse who just lost their sight 
sight or a child who just lost their sight, it can really seem like, you know, your whole world is just all about that. And if you just, somebody recently just lost their sight in your life, it's probably true. Your life is surrounded by that. You're trying to figure out answers and how can you do things and going to appointments and finding associations and organizations and there's all kinds of stuff happening. But you want to take that time for yourself and develop an interest in something else so that your life is not focused around just simply taking care of someone. All right, now that we've had some do's, you know what you need to do, here are some don'ts that you want to avoid when you're trying to manage this compassion fatigue. First, you don't want to make any life decisions right off the bat. You don't want to try to get a new job. You don't want to buy a car. You don't want to get a divorce. You you know, you don't want to do those kinds of things when you're experiencing this immense amount of fatigue because what we want to do is we think, oh, I'll change something about my life and then that will make this ease up, if you will. That'll sort of relieve the pressure. And what we don't realize is in that moment, something has changed and that's why we're experiencing some of this compassion fatigue. So you need to not make any huge life decisions at first. Obviously, you're going to have to make life decisions soon enough, but try to avoid the big ones, at least at first. Next up, you don't want to start just working harder, working longer, you know, I'll just throw myself into something and then then I'll just avoid all of the things I'm dealing with. I won't even, you know, think about it. And that can be detrimental, whether it's depression or anxiety or whatever else. We just throw ourselves into what we might call work. And that can be a job that you have or, you know, maybe something around the house like, you're. oh, I've always wanted to paint the house. I'm going to paint the whole house. You know, it's like maybe not do that right now. <laughs> like, you know, don't make those kinds of decisions. And again, working harder and longer won't mean automatically avoiding all of the fatigue that you're facing. It can probably honestly just make it worse. So take some of the time away from that if you can, and don't throw yourself into work-related things. Next up, you don't want to self-medicate. Now, this could be like an extreme thing, like, you know, alcohol and drugs, like, oh, you're getting drunk every night and, you know, whatever. Or it could be something like, oh, I'm just going to go shopping all the time, or I'm going to, you know, get this hobby where it's like, it's helping me avoid what I'm facing. And again, hobbies are good. Self-interests are good. Nothing wrong with that. But when it becomes a self-medication, when it becomes, you know, taking something to avoid the pain, then that's when it becomes dangerous and detrimental to you. Because we've talked about it before, you've got to face those kinds of things. But even though it's hard, you know, you still have to face them. But when you start avoiding them, that's when it can cause issues. So try to avoid self-medicating, which again can be extreme things or things that seem normal, like, you know, going shopping or watching TV or, you know, eating or whatever else. It can be self-medication. So you want to avoid that at, at all costs. And finally, you don't want to neglect your own needs, your own uh, wants and interests. Again, we talked about finding other interests outside of this. You don't want to neglect what you have and what you require. And again, that could be your needs. That could be, you know, uh, anything from taking care of yourself physically, taking care of yourself, you know, spiritually, emotionally. I mean, it could be your hygiene at the very least. You know what I mean? You want to take care of yourself as well. Um, There's a thin line, I think, between self-care and self Self-medication. Self-care is important. Self-medication kind of crosses the line. So the difference, I think, is basically just saying, like, I'm doing things to um, help me walk through some of this tragedy that I'm facing. I'm doing self-care so that tomorrow 
I can face some of these sad feelings. Self-medication is just saying, I'm doing this so I can avoid all of this stuff. I can avoid feeling sad. I can avoid feeling angry. And that's not what you want to do. You want to face it. So you definitely don't want to neglect your own needs and interests. So there are just a few do's and don'ts on managing your compassion fatigue. And again, there's more in the show notes uh, that are listed that I didn't read off. And of course, I'm sure there are tons of others as well. But it's important to remember that there are ways to deal with it appropriately. There are ways to deal with it inappropriately. But the most important thing is to deal with it, whether that's talking to somebody, whether that's you know finding support from a group, whatever it might be, you want to deal with these things and not avoid it because that will help you walk through the compassion fatigue and not get hit over the head with it uh, when you're just trying to avoid it at all costs. So now that we've kind of talked about what it is and ways to manage it, you might be wondering, so what are my next steps here, Derek? What do I do if I feel like, okay, I've heard this and and I feel like I'm struggling with compassion fatigue. You know, maybe my spouse just lost their sight six months ago and I'm really struggling. Well, I think the next step after sort of, you know, admitting it and facing it is to find someone to talk to about it. Uh, I would highly recommend you find maybe a counselor in your area, find someone that you can talk to and explain your situation and say, look, here's what I'm going through. Maybe you find a support group that uh, is built for people that are sighted supporters, uh, you know, or people that are taking care of somebody else. You want to get your story out there so that other people can hear it and then walk through it with you. I think that's really the most important thing because your story can seem very lonely at times, you know, like you're the only one going through this and that's just not true. You don't want to feel alone because feeling alone can make you feel trapped and like you're never getting out of this and that can lead to a lot of bad decisions. So you want to find somebody to talk to. Find a counselor. Find somebody that you feel supported by. Find somebody that can help support you as you're going through this process of supporting someone else. And I think that is the next step that you need to take, even though it might be scary and you're like, oh, counseling, a therapy, that seems weird to me. But trust me, it can be very, very beneficial when you're going through something like this, especially dealing with something like compassion fatigue. All right, my friends. So this podcast was a little bit different. We sort of threw away some of the uh, you know segments or whatever just to focus on this idea of compassion fatigue. And I want to just make a couple of points here at the end of the podcast that you know things like compassion fatigue and burnout and emotional stress and all these sort of things it can happen to anybody at any point. But if you're a sighted supporter who's somebody you know in your life has lost their sight recently, you may be experiencing a lot of these things. And it doesn't mean that there's something terribly wrong with you and now you're going to be broken for the rest of your life. It just means you're going through something too. And there's nothing wrong with that. We all go through things and we go through them a little bit differently. We face them differently. You know, your uh, own journey is different than the person in your life losing their sight, but nonetheless, it's connected. And so just really, really know that there's nothing wrong with what you're going through. It's important that you face it, that you deal with it, that you talk with someone about it. You know, you can talk to the person in your life losing their sight, but it's probably 
really good to talk to someone else just to get out you know what you're going through so I just want to encourage you that if you've heard this podcast today that if you feel like wow after listening to this I feel like this is a lot about me then find somebody in your life whether it's a counselor a close friend a mentor a spiritual leader whatever it is find somebody and share your story so that you can be heard so that your voice can be heard so that your heart can be heard so that your story is not just you and you alone find somebody talk to and do that as soon as you can All right, guys. Well, as we round things out today, this is a little bit heavier of a topic. So, you know, it's always hard to be like, oh, compassion fatigue. Hey, subscribe to the podcast. You know, it's, it's always a little weird. But I do want to remind you that if you like today's episode, if this was your first time or your 48th time or whatever, and you haven't subscribed to the podcast, I'd love for you to do that. You can do that at the show notes, lifeaftersightloss.com slash 048. Underneath the player, there are buttons labeled Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Subscribe on Android. I want you to subscribe so that you don't miss another single episode because we talk about things like compassion fatigue, but we also talk about technology, relationships. We talk about all kinds of stuff. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a single episode. And maybe you've got questions. Maybe you've got a comment about this. Maybe you want to share a story about something related to being a sighted supporter, compassion fatigue. Well, I want to hear from you. You can do that a few different ways. You can email me, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at lifeaftersightloss.com. You can tweet me at the Derek Daniel, or you can send me a voicemail. And the number to do that is 317-721-1027. Again, that number is 317-721-1027. If you decide to leave me a voicemail, make sure that you speak loud and clear so that I can put it on the podcast and let other people know what you're going through and we can share in this together. One more time, the voicemail number is 317-721-1027. And that's going to wrap it up for me this week. I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode. I know it's a little bit heavier of a topic, but again, sometimes the topics can be heavy, but they're important to talk about. So thank you for joining me. Don't forget that all the information provided in today's podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only. If you're in need of professional, medical, or legal advice, please seek out a specialist in your area. Thank you so much for listening wherever you are. And until next time, remember that sight loss isn't the end. It's just the beginning. My name is Derek Daniel from lifeaftersightloss.com, and I'll see you in the next one. <laughs>